0: Welcome. I'm Leslie Canham. I'm Mary Gavoni. I'm Linda
1: Harvey. I'm Olivia Wan, and together we are the Compliance Divas.
2: Have you or someone you know had ransomware in their practice? Have you or someone you know experienced identity theft that extended beyond an isolated credit card issue? Hello, this is Linda Harvey. I'm the moderator for today's Compliance Divas podcast. We bring clarity and simplicity to compliance by navigating the regulatory world to keep you on course. We invite you to subscribe to the Compliance Divas podcast through your favorite podcast channel or on our website, thecompliancedivas.com. Any resources we mentioned during our podcast can also be found on our website. And we invite you to submit questions to support at thecompliancedivas.com. According to one cybersecurity company known as Purple Sect, ransomware has increased 600% since the beginning of the pandemic. As a result, there's been a significant uptick in the sophisticated phishing email schemes by cybercriminals. These malicious actors have posed as the CDC, state dental board licensing groups, and other well-known companies or organizations in order to trick us into clicking on a link ridden with ransomware. According to PurpleSec, 92% of malware is delivered by email. Also consider these alarming statistics. 98% of mobile malware targets Android devices, and 34% of businesses hit with ransomware took a week or more to regain access to their data. This brings the question, how long would it take your practice to recover from ransomware? But all is not lost. Today, the Divas will discuss tips and strategies for email safety to help you from becoming the next ransomware statistic. So Mary, would you please start us off with some tips for identifying fraudulent emails?
0: Absolutely, Linda. And I've been talking to the clients that I work with about this for a very long time that just beware. Don't trust that your spam folder is catching all of the fraudulent emails. One of the most important things you can do, because what happens with the email phishing attempts is, as you said, they they try to masquerade as a trusted resource, as someone maybe that you know, and it could be something like your they say they're your financial institution or it's FedEx or it's UPS or it's Amazon, um, knowing that those are commonly used entities. But even though it may look like in the subject line that it's a message coming from FedEx, for example, what you need to do is immediately take your cursor and hold it over the email address that that message is coming from and You'll see it's coming in many cases from somebody's personal email or something fraudulent that doesn't really make sense to you. It doesn't say fedex.com, so that should tell you. And anyone in an email who tries to entice you by, you know, you're you'll you have a gift card waiting or you have an order that needs to be verified. Um, a common thing that's happened recently with the U.S. Postal Service has been uh, what looked like a totally legitimate message from USPS.com. And it said, we're having a delivery issue and you must confirm your address. And then they ask you to give a credit card number because there's a $3 $3 re-delivery fee. The U.S. Postal Service does not ask you to pay to re-deliver a piece of mail. So always verify where that email address is coming from. Make sure that if they're asking you to verify personal information, you never do it in an email message. If you're not sure that that it's not a legitimate email, then call your bank, call whoever um, they're masquerading as and ask them um, to to verify. and you'll find in many um, in many cases that it truly isn't legitimate. So you have to be very vigilant in looking at those emails. And make sure that you are blocking those emails um, if they're coming in and and um, not being shunted over to your spam folder.
2: Thank you, Mary. I particularly liked how you used the word masquerade. I think everyone can identify with a party where there's been a masquerade party and somebody's got a mask on. So that's immediate visual you know, symbol that we can identify with. But they masquerade as a trusted resource, as you said. And we've had so many difficulties since the pandemic with the supply chain changes and interruptions that it's difficult to identify because there are slowdowns and hiccups and all kinds of deliveries and so forth. And so you feel like that could be a normal email coming from FedEx or the USPS. And it's, we have to be vigilant. Olivia, I know that you had four cyber tips that you were going to share with us today. Can I ask you to and uh, give our listeners some of those tips? Sure,
1: Linda. So now more than ever, we need to be careful because scammers are using the crisis in Ukraine to target small businesses, which could be dental offices as well as individuals. So there are several uh, ideas on preventing a phishing email. For example, never click on links or attachments in the email body uh, or message that asks you to donate money and that it's urgent. The email might appear that it's a donation to relieve the Ukraine people, and it is not. Uh, also, there the email might say that the donation is exclusively via official and trusted charities, nonprofit organizations, and fundraisers. We just make it a policy in my office that we do not make contributions via email. It might look legit, and it is not, unfortunately. The next tip, Linda, would be to check your financial accounts regularly for any suspicious activity or unauthorized charges. I recently worked with a client who didn't realize that he was paying an automatic draft to Amazon in the amount of $50 per month and this had been going on for a year and a half before he detected it, the bank would only make good on two months. So all of the fraudulent charges he was responsible for because Amazon took the position that even though this was someone else, charging to his bank account that he was not regularly reviewing his bank account. So there are certain timeframes to investigate those fraudulent charges. And unfortunately, he was outside those timeframes. And the fourth tip, Linda, would be to set up unique passwords for all online accounts. Never use the same password password over and over again, because if your password is breached, it will potentially breach all of your passwords. Never use the name of your children. I mean, someone could look on Facebook and learn the names of your children, your grandchildren, or even your pets, and people will m- commonly use those as passwords, and they can be easily guessed by a cyber criminal to attach to your identifiable information and scam you of your identity or to fraudulently convey uh, monies to a criminal. I had that happen in a dental office where uh, an email was intercepted and it involved the proceeds of a CEREC machine. So these are some really good tips, Linda, for our listeners.
2: Thank you, Olivia. I really appreciate how you stress not using the same password. I think that's an ongoing reminder in our, in our lives, where it's just natural for people to want to have something easy to remember and, and say, well, I haven't been hacked yet and I've kept the same password for a year, year and a half, but we just can't make that assumption. Um, I'd like to make our listeners aware of the fact that there is free software online where someone can begin to just hack passwords and, and even just to wreak havoc in someone's life or business. Another tip you mentioned, Olivia, that really resonated with me was being vigilant of your accounts, your credit card accounts. How many times do we just pay a credit card statement that comes into our home and we don't look at everything that's been charged? And that's particularly true in an office credit card account. It might just, it may be looked at, it may not be looked at, but it's sent right over to the bookkeeper or the CPA to pay the bill and no one is checking it along the way. So I could see where, with your example, a charge could be there for a very long period of time. That's erroneous and nobody catches it. So great reminders, Olivia. Leslie, there are some other ways I'm sure that scammers can try to trick us because they are pretty crafty with their social engineering. What can you share with us today?
3: Linda, there's something called smishing, which is like an SM in front of the word fishing with a PH. And it's quite concerning to me because smishing is a phishing cyber attack that's carried out over a mobile text messaging device such as your cell phone. So victims are deceived into giving sensitive information to a disguised attacker and uh, SMS or short message service uh, phishing can be assisted by malware or fraud fraud fraudulent websites. It occurs on many mobile text messaging platforms, including non SMS channels like data-based mobile messaging apps. So as the definition suggests, it combines SMS or short message service, better known as texting, and phishing to further define smishing. And it's categorized as a, top- a type of social engineering attack that relies on exploiting human trust rather than technical exploits. So when a cyber criminal fishes, they send fraudulent emails that seek to trick the recipient into clicking on a malicious link. And it simply uses a text message instead of an email. So it's the same concept as what Olivia was talking about. And really the bottom line is that uh, cyber criminals are out to steal your personal data, which they can now use to commit fraud or other cyber crimes. And they can get your money, or if you use your phone at work, which many businesses do have people, employees using their own smart devices for business purposes, they can actually attack your company's business. And they use that again with malware and malicious websites. Now, today, more and more people using their smartphones, now we have not only a personal threat, but also, if you use it at work, a business threat. So smishing works like this. It's deception and fraud. They're the core components of any SMS phishing attack. As the attacker assumes that an identity that you might trust, then you're more likely to succumb to their request. And uh, there's actually three components for social engineering principles that allow smishing attackers to manipulate a victim's decision-making. One is trust because they pose as a legitimate individual or organization, and uh, that lowers the target skepticism. And they're also sometimes a more personal communication channel through text messaging, which also lowers a person's defenses against threats. The next uh, social engineering principle is context, using a situation that could be relevant to targets that allows an attacker to build an effective disguise or masquerade, as we had said earlier in the podcast. And the message feels personalized, which helps it override any suspicion that might be spam. And then the third principle is emotion. By heightening a target's emotions, an attacker can override their target's critical thinking and spur them into taking action, like clicking on a URL link or disclosing private information sometimes I know I feel pressure when I get a message that tells me that, uh, that there's a purchase that was made. And I know that I didn't make that purchase. My natural inclination is to follow up on that immediately say, Hey, wait a minute. I didn't spend that $1,100 on golf clubs. (laughs) This is definitely not me, but that's what the hacker uh, wants me to do. And, and they're, Really, uh, depending on me to be a person that is busy and I use my social phone, my social media or, or my text messaging on the fly through my cell phone, so I might not stop to take a minute, to take a beat, to to just think about what the message is, is really about, uh, and so that really lowers my defenses and makes me a better target. Linda? Boy,
2: Leslie, that is wonderful information on smishing. Olivia, did you have a contribution on that topic?
1: I just wanted to add that it's so coincidental that we're talking about this because I just received one a few days ago from Wells Fargo and it said, your online banking has been locked due to unusual activity. Please log into your account at, it gives the link, or visit the nearest Wells Fargo branch. Why don't have a Wells Fargo account? But if I did have one, how enticing or reactive someone would be to click on that link to defend the activity on your account. So, more and more, we're receiving these.
2: Well, Olivia, this is, that's too funny because I do happen to have a Wells Fargo account. So, I think you got my smishing
0: text, okay? <laughs> Please forward that to me. Mary, <laughs> did you have a suggestion or a comment? Same thing. I've been getting um, smishing messages from Xfinity, um, internet cable service, which I used to have when I lived in Michigan, but I don't have it now. And I, when I got the first one, it was about your service technicians going to be here right away and please, you know, verify your address. And I actually called Xfinity and said, I think somebody's put my phone number in, or their phone number in incorrectly um, because it was still my area code and all that. And they said, okay, fine, we'll correct that. But now it's continued. The last ones have been, oh, you know, go online now to update because your service is going to be disconnected. So I just simply blocked those messages. So they, and which is what I would recommend go in and, and, into your um, settings on your phone and block that number from contacting you. Now, the smishers or the the spammers will will try to override and just use another number, but at least you can make some sort of attempt to block those.
2: Mary, that's an important point about blocking, um, and I've done that all the time as well. However, now they're starting to use an email. When they text you from an email account, you can't block that, as you already know. So I want to remind our listeners so that all you can do is delete it. And as we are all been saying, do not respond. Um, Leslie, when I was thinking about the smishing that you were talking about, it reminded me that it doesn't matter whether the bad actor has your phone number or not. They can simply put together a random series of numbers and start targeting people. And that's just you know routine phishing and smishing, but it becomes... Spear phishing and smear phishing when they do know that you have an account at Wells Fargo or Regions Bank or wherever it is that you bank, and they start sending you those kinds of messages. Um, And as you said, Leslie, it comes down to, you know, the trust factor. This looks like somebody that we would trust because we do business with them, and it pulls on our emotions like curiosity or oh no, it's not me, I didn't do that, and we become defensive. I got to rebut that, and that's not the response we should have. So we need to be calm and collected and not be distracted when we're looking at text messages. How many times are we looking at text messages when we're multitasking? (laughs) Everybody does that. So it's just, it's a fact of life. We entertain ourselves on our phone when we have a few minutes or we're checking on things and we're maybe distracted. So it's important that we stay vigilant because this really happens more frequently than we realize. And it happens on a large scale, even in dentistry. There's been several large dental groups last year and this year that have had, email phishing incidents or unauthorized people that have gotten into their database and perhaps it was through an email attempt. So we really urge our listeners to share these valuable tips with their colleagues and team members and avoid being, becoming the next victim and above all, protect your patient privacy. So thank you for joining us on today's episode of the Compliance Divas. We bring clarity and simplicity to compliance by navigating the regulatory world to keep you on course. Please subscribe to the podcast through your favorite podcast channel or on through our website. And don't forget, all the resources we mentioned today will be available on our website. And you can always submit your questions to the Compliance Divas uh, at the Compliance at support at the So we'll see you next time. Thank you.